Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, Friday, July 9th, 2021. Eric Newman, BJ Armstrong. Suns lead the NBA Finals 2-0 over the Milwaukee Bucks. Before we get into that, how are you, my friend? What is happening in the world of BJ on this Friday? Suns are up 2-0. Giannis was simply amazing last night. Great game. I thought it was a really well-played game. I mean, these first two games, you would think that these teams have been here before. And um, it's, it's been great to watch. And two old sons. Now we're heading back to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin to see what's going to happen up there. And um, I'm looking forward to game three. I love how I ask you how you're doing, and you just blow off my question and go right to the game. So, how am I doing? I, you know, you know I, I just want to make I want to make sure you're well. I'm just watching a little sure NBA well. basketball. You I know, make it's, sure it's, you're well. it's coming to an end. I'm, I'm watching. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I get there's my 20, four, this, minutes. There's 21 other hours in, in the day besides uh, the three hours of game time. I'm just making sure my my guy is good. That's all. That's all. Don't. Well, you thank know. you. Thank you very much. You know, don't 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 hate on me. Um. You know, I thought last night we'd see a concerted effort to get Middleton and Holiday going and then Giannis to find his way in the flow of the game. And, of course, uh, we saw the complete opposite of that. So with uh, – and we can get, we'll get to the many things that Phoenix is doing right in a moment. Um, what do the Bucks need to do uh, – on both sides of the ball. Let's start offensively, then defensively to uh, win game three and make this a series. Well, when I, look at, when I look at these teams, when I look at the playoffs, as you advance, the games get tougher and tougher because the teams get better and better. Now we're at a space where you'll say, well, I expect, you know, Middleton to get it going. Why? Like, my question is why? Why do we expect him to get it going? Like, why? Well, I, I expected part of the game plan to be to try to get him okay, going. Because but, as he goes offensively, they usually go. Okay, but when I look at the game, I go, why? Like, what significant advantage does he have playing in this, in this particular series? Right? He doesn't have an advantage over Mikhail Bridges or Jay Crowder or Devin Booker. Like, 
But I saw him against Brooklyn. When I saw him against Atlanta, I was going, okay, those might have been advantages for him. Yep. Yep. Those find, matchups. Find that matchup. Sure. Sure. But okay. uh, Mikael Bridges, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. The guy's a terrific young defender. Jay Crowder so, is excellent. So talented. Devin yep. Booker, excellent. They have a rim protector. And he has to play a full 48 minutes because there's no place for him to hide. He can't hide against, you know, the players that we saw him playing against in Atlanta or the series before that, you know, who he was playing against in uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn and the series before that he's playing against Miami. So, again, maybe I'm missing something here. These teams are better. That's why they they are advancing. Milwaukee is certainly a good team. What I saw last night was the following. Milwaukee has a philosophy of how they like to play, right? They like to play three-point shooting. They continue to shoot. They spread the floor. They have the one player who creates havoc, Giannis, and they allow Giannis to either score at the basket, which he's very effective, shoots a high percentage in the paint, and they shoot a lot of threes. Now, Eric, unless I missed something last night, I saw the Milwaukee Bucks do a 180 in their philosophy, how they play. They attacked the basket the they first did. quarter as if they are a drive, drive team. What happened to all the three-point shooting? So what I saw was Phoenix is such a good defensive team that they have forced the Milwaukee Bucks to change their entire offensive philosophy. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Now, you say, well, I expected him to get it going. Well, I, you know, that's not Middleton's game is, is drive. So I didn't see Middleton's game off. I just saw the Milwaukee Bucks say, if we're going to win this series, we're going to have to meet the physicality of the game by attacking the basket to get to the free throw line. Because there was a huge difference between the way Phoenix played in game one and the way Milwaukee played. And I saw the Milwaukee Bucks change their entire way they play, with the exception of Giannis, who excels at getting the ball to the basket. I saw a reluctant score in Drew Holiday. He's a reluctant score. I think he's a good score, but he's a reluctant score. I saw him get up like 20-something shots last night. I saw Giannis driving the ball, which is, you know, he does that. He's consistent. He consistently does that. They're going small. They took, they, they took out, you know, perhaps their best low point scorer, Brooke Lopez. And yeah, they're putting driving Giannis the basket. At, putting Giannis at the five. So yep. what I saw was, okay, I saw a team change their offensive philosophy to try to meet the level of play that the other team was displaying because they have come to the conclusion, if we keep playing this way, this is going to be a quick series. Now, there were some positives that came from it. But up until game two, the Milwaukee Bucks have never played like that, at least when I've watched them play. And I've watched them quite a bit No, this year. no, not to that extent. Obviously, exactly. they started, I mean, they started they attacking the basket more against Brooklyn, which helped them you know, get through that series. Uh, and then when they needed to against Atlanta, but Atlanta's front line uh, much different than Phoenix's front line. And as good as Aiton is, and to your point, like as good as Aiton is, I'm not fearing 
Aiton as a rim protector yet. He's there. He could be effective, but I'm st- you still got to go because aside from him, it's four other perimeter guys on the floor defensively. So, yeah, so that's that's uh, what I, I saw. Yep. I, I, you know, now what is what is what what does Milwaukee have to do? Milwaukee is going to have to figure out the following, which is obvious they haven't figured out in two games now. What are they going to do to contain the screen roll and isolation plays of the Phoenix Suns guards? Chris Paul and Devin Booker are dictating the game because we know they're going to attack Brooke Lopez. That's why they're going small. We're going to attack Connington. Is it, is it Pat Connington? Covington? Mm-hmm. Is it, Connington. Is it, is it Connington. We're going to attack Bobby Portis. We're going to attack certain matchups that we know we can take advantage of, which is shortening the rotation of the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks can't play with the proper spacing on the floor because they can't control the other team. They can't get a stop. Yep. So right now, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have to shoot an incredibly high percentage, which, you know, Phoenix is pretty good on defense. And they're going to have to find a combination of players who can play together for a long stretch of time. Because the only player, in my opinion, that has figured out how to play is Giannis. Giannis is a problem. But the other four players offensively haven't caught a rhythm like Giannis has caught, which is the problem for this team. Because defensively, they have no way of containing. I didn't say stop containing those two guys and until they figure that one out this series looks like it's going to favor the phoenix suns so you're in the milwaukee locker room hypothetical you're looking at what has and hasn't worked defensively obviously switching lopez or portis or any other front court player uh on to chris paul uh in that screen roll action is not working what do you do okay great question i'm going to give because he he, he's received a lot of criticism talking about he coach uh, coach bud coach bud has received a lot of criticism oh he's not making adjustments he's not doing this okay coach bud did a terrific job of he tried everything he went under he went over he double teamed some he picked up full court those guys at the point guard position, talking about Drew Holiday, they really were very aggressive there. To yeah. Notice, fight noticeably, over the noticeably more in game different. two. Okay, Absolutely. now you saw how aggressive they were from game two, if you compare it to game one. So they did a very nice job. Give Coach Bud credit, right? Because he receives criticism, but let's give him credit. He gave three or four different looks. Yep. Okay. Give Milwaukee credit. Great players see the game, and they adjust. You can't give those guys a steady diet. Chris Paul, who we all say is a slow starter, I don't think he's a slow starter. I think at the beginning of the game, he just surveys the situation. He surveys, he sees what's going on, and then he gets his plan of attack, second, third, fourth quarter, to win the game. Devin Booker does the same. Now, if I'm Coach Bud, this is what I do. And this is just a little secret that I've learned because I was a small guard. There's two things small guards don't like to play against. They don't want to play against physical guards. Drew Holiday is a physical player. I'm going to be very physical with Chris Paul over every screen. I'm going to touch him 
and force him to play the game with the physicality at the guard position, he's not accustomed to doing. That's the first thing I'm going to do because that gives me an advantage. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make him play against size and length. That means Giannis. Every time he comes off the screen and roll, I'm going to force Chris Paul to make two passes. I'm going to force him to do a lob pass because he's not like 6'4 himself. He's 5'10", 5'11", maybe 6 feet if we're mm -hmm. stretching it. I'm going to force him to do a lob pass. Why? Because if he throws over the, the outstretched hands of Giannis, the rotation guy should be able to get to whoever he passed the ball to. Or I'm going to force him to throw a bounce pass, which is the slowest pass in basketball, which I know we can get back to. Now, I'm going to do this every single time so that Chris Paul understands I'm going to dictate to him what I want him to do, not the other way around. Because Chris Paul right now, he's slicing and dicing, as my man Walt Frazier would say, Clyde. He's moving and grooving. He's, he has every <laughs> choice available to him in the screen role that is allowing him to dictate the pace of the game. We know that Chris Paul wants to control the pace of this game. If there's anything Chris Paul is going to do, whether he scores a point or not, he's going to dictate time and score. He's going to dictate it. Okay, but if I can make him and force him to do what I want him to do, Chris Paul is going to go away from that because he won't be able to control the game. Just a little secret. No little guard wants to be, I'm going to take away the slip pass. I'm going to take away his ability to split. I'm going to take away his ability to pull the defense out and get the matchup that he wants. I'm going to take all that away and say, you have two options. Every screen roll, you're going to throw a lob pass over the outstretched hands of Giannis, or you're going to throw a bounce pass because Giannis is going to be right there. And I'm going to be very physical with you on every screen. Every screen. Your job, Drew, is just to push and wear this guy out. Every, that's your job, just to wear him out. There's no crossing over. Screen's coming, you're going right to the screen because that's where the help, and we're going to force the... Now, once we know that, I know the other three guys will have to rotate from a lob pass or a bounce pass, and let's play out of that. There's no more getting the matchup. There's no more let's get the screen to we want to get to. This is what we're doing. And I'm going to... They've, got, going, they've got to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Now, Chris Paul is a great player, so he's going to figure that out. Maybe they bring him off the weak side. I don't know what Monty's going to do, but like all great players and great coaches, they're going to make a counter because he's a fundamentally sound basketball player. But I, without question, I'm going to put that in Chris, Paul, Chris Paul's mind, okay? How do I know this? Every time you see a great small guard, John Stockton, for instance, I wasn't going to stop John Stockton. No one's going to stop John. The guy's going to run the screen roll 50, 60 times a game. The only thing I concentrated and tried to do against John Stockton is I tried to make him throw as many bounce passes as I could. If he just threw a bounce pass to Jeff Hornacek, I felt I won that match. I felt I won that matchup. If he threw a bounce pass to Carl Malone, I felt I won that matchup. But when he started whizzing the ball by my ear, <laughs> picking us apart, he won that matchup. Because... Yeah. Because you can't, you can't move as fast as the ball is moving when you're making direct passes. But if I could make John, Pac uh, John Paxson, John Stockton throw a bounce pass, that was a win. That was a win. Ball's got to hit the ground, get to this guy, 
then he's got to shoot it. Well, you know, those guys on the wing, Scotty and Michael, they should be able to get there if, he, if that happens. But if he starts throwing those ping passes like Mark, like you would see Mark Price and those guys do, Larry Bird, they throw it right by your ear. And they, yep. they're just no magic them react. throwing. No the, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. So that is what I would do against, against yeah. Chris Paul. I, I would do that. And then I would just... All I would only, you've heard me say this before, I would only allow Giannis to attack from the weak side. That's what I would do. Right, right, the two-man side. So before, uh, we, go, yes. yeah, before we go there, just, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, you, it comes a point where y- you've got to trap this guy. You've got to make him pass out of it. And then you've got to make them play four, out of th- four on three with, with the, your defense uh, rotating and recovering back. So... You mentioned first and foremost, Holiday picking him up as much as possible full court. It's unfortunate they don't have uh, DiVincenzo playing here because he would be able to, he'd be able to contribute to this effort as well a little bit. But you figure if they pick, if they pick him up and you know by the time he gets the ball across half court, you're at 17 on the shot clock. By the time the screen roll action starts, it's 12 on the shot clock. If you're doubling and taking the ball out of his hands, all right, the shot clock's under 10. Phoenix now is trying to get a good shot without Chris Paul involved in the play because he's given it up. You'd like to think Milwaukee looks at that as a a good opportunity to slow Chris Paul, take the Suns' offense out of rhythm a little bit, but in game two, as we saw, Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges played fantastic basketball and one of the things about phoenix that i really like just as far as like watching them play and you know they had one great possession last night which was an example of that but they move their bodies and they move the ball they're not just waiting at the three-point line for the ball to be swung around when they've got a three-on-two advantage on one side or a four-on-three playing out of pick and roll they're moving their bodies in basket cutting, and it's not just the screener that's cutting to the rim. It's different guys, and that's what's been so impressive to me about their offense. And if you're Milwaukee, as you've said, you've got to pick your poison. What, what are you willing to live with? Are you willing to live with the rest of the cast beating you, or are you willing to let Chris Paul, the maestro, be the head of the snake and beat you? And it's, it's very tough right now for them. Yeah, well, I mean, look, this is all predicated on one thing. You got to get a stop. Okay, got to get a stop. If you're if you're getting stops, I don't worry about Chris Paul and screen roll. If you're getting stops, right? You're saying because from the Bucks' perspective. From the Bucks, yeah, like we're yeah. right now the Milwaukee right now the Milwaukee Bucks can't get consecutive stops. Exactly, because so, of the things we've been talking about. Yes, so right now the Milwaukee Bucks have to figure out how to get consecutive stops that's that's that it, the game comes down to that like there there's 10 possessions how can you get five out of 10 possessions clean stops that, that's it because if they are scoring the basketball and getting stops it's going to if milwaukee is scoring the basketball and getting stops it's going to force phoenix to play at a different pace yeah, and Phoenix, <laughs> and speaking yeah. of their pace, last night they shoot almost 50 from the floor. <laughs> they shoot 50% from three. They made 23s last night. 
That's what I'm saying. It, 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 it's just Milwaukee. Milwaukee has to find five guys they can put on the floor who can get stops because they don't they don't have the right combinations right now. No, that, no, and they, they're very they're very. And sorry to cut you off, but they're very limited versatility wise when they want to put Giannis at the five. So so Lopez out, Portis out, and then. Who are you putting out there with him? Tucker, Middleton, Holiday, right. Coddington, or is Jeff Teague part of that? Or that. is Bryn Forbes part Forbes of that? Right. Exactly. It's, it's, not, is, it's, it's, it's is, not optimal it's, for them. It's not exactly. optimal. Exactly. They, they can't get to the right combinations to have the balance that they need. That's, that's all it comes down to. This isn't – we know that Milwaukee Bucks are a good team, but it always comes down to the matchups. Right now, the Phoenix Suns have the better matchup. Why? Because their center is not taken out of the game because of the speed and quickness of the game. He's made for it. Okay. That, that, that's what this game comes down to. Mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez cannot do on the defensive end as far as matching up. He's a really good defensive center. But in this instance, you have not one but two guards who are, they are terrific off the dribble. That's Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And that's a, that's a major problem for Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis because the Phoenix Suns are just picking on certain guys. It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. And for as well as Bobby yes. Portis has played, like he's doing the best he can. He, now, he, like he... he, he He's actually he's actually pretty good at switching it's, out on perimeter guys, but this is a different. different this is a this different is a animal. Different, this is a different one. Now, in addition to what I just said, which is easier said than done, they can elect to do what you see Phoenix is doing. They randomly go to a two-three zone. Yep. Okay. You can elect to do what we saw uh, the coach for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, what's Nurse. my guy? Your man, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse went a box and one. Box and one, triangle and two. I mean, at this point, you got to roll out anything possible. And with Giannis's length, there's a lot of interesting gimmick, quote-unquote gimmick defenses you can run to disrupt the flow of the Suns' offense, yeah, or at least attempt to. you you got to figure it out. I'm not saying it works. I'm not saying, But it all starts with them finding... The five guys they can actually put on the floor. Because right now, we know what the Phoenix Suns are going to do. They're just going to pick apart where they want to go. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Okay. You got to put one of those guys on the floor. And they're like, okay, whoever you put on the floor, we're just going to pick on that one guy. <laughs> That's what they're saying. No, no, so, and, and, and I'm, so, I'm thinking about some of these zone looks and... You know, not the greatest comp in the world, right? But you think about when the rules changed in the um, early 2000s and the late great Flip Saunders would put KG at the top of that 3-2 zone and say, good luck finding an offensive rhythm with, with our seven-footer out there because all of a sudden you have so much less room because of that wingspan. So I'm thinking about Giannis up top with Holiday and Middleton on the wings, you can start Lopez and Tucker at the bottom of that thing. 
Obviously, Portis can rotate in for one of those guys. And just to mix that in, because then the pick and roll, you take them out of that. Like, we see teams run pick and roll against zone all the time. Some have the principles to do it. Some make the right tweaks. Some just do it to get into their offense and then play perimeter ping pong from there. But I do think that would be an interesting thing for Milwaukee to present in game three to try to slow down the Suns offense. Uh, Provided they can score against Phoenix's defense. Because they're gonna yes. have to score. You gotta get. You gotta. You gotta score, gotta score to set the D. To set the D. Okay. Yep. Now, may, does this mean? Doesn't mean that they have to actually have to score. Literally score. Can they get to the free throw line? They have to find a way to slow the pace of the game down so that they can force this team to play five against five. Now, yep. because we know individually they are not good enough. Individually, they are not good enough. As the roster is currently constructed to play and defend this team. That's what we know. Cameron Payne and Cameron Johnson has been terrific. There's no mm-hmm. answers for Cameron Payne. There's no one else that can counter his speed. Nope. Then when he comes off. Cameron Johnson, we know we can't leave him. Mikael Bridges was open last night by design. He makes those shots. Give Milwaukee credit. Milwaukee did a nice job, I thought, on Chris Paul and... Devin Booker, when you compare it to game one. But the role players stepped up. Yep. I don't even think Jay Crowder made a basket in game one. No. He had a, uh, I think he had one basket towards the end of game one. Okay. He had 11 then, points, 10 rebounds in game to, two. Bridges okay. had 27. <laughs> Aiden had 10 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, three steals, two Those blocks. I'll get to him in a moment. Booker had a a very efficient 31 points and six assists. And Chris Paul had 23 and eight. And for the first time in a long time, we saw Chris Paul actually turn the ball over. He had six turnovers. I can't remember the last time we saw Chris Paul turn the ball over more than twice in a game. Milwaukee did some nice things. Yeah. They did some really nice things last night. It's just that Phoenix is that good and they're playing excellent basketball. Yep. So one of my favorite moments, uh, not just of the finals so far, but the playoffs... Um, and I wish there was a way where we could experience more of these, but obviously there's only so much that could be shared uh, from the huddle with live sound. But Monty Williams and the message that he shared with DeAndre Ayton last night. You liked that, uh, didn't you? That was for you. Oh, that was for it, was, you. It, was, it was great, man. It, it, it just takes me back to like what's so great about the game in terms of these interpersonal relationships and how you, you know, you choose how you motivate guys, right? So you can motivate through intensity. You can motivate through uh, fear. You can motivate through challenging someone. And instead, he just he just laid that out there um, in such a way and, and just framed it with you can have an impact on the game through force and it doesn't matter what the stats say. And then he goes out and he does both of those things. He gets he impacts the game through force, and the numbers and the box score, uh, score of course, go along with it uh, during that time. But um, he's just super impressive. Uh, I'm talking about Coach Williams as uh, as a leader, and um, this team is just you know hat off to James Jones and hat off to Coach Williams. This team, as constructed, is um, really well put together. And it's not just the basketball skill things. It's the the personas, how they're programmed, and 
uh, Monty as a leader is just continues to to impress me. Well, what you saw last night is you got a sneak peek that behind these stars and or behind your your these heroes and however you view the game, it's people. Yeah, it's people, and. Playing team sports is interesting because you, because this guy's a superstar. This guy's uh, the greatest ever, and you know this guy's the goat and all this stuff. What makes sports interesting to me, especially team sports, is you getting people to think outside of themselves. Yep. Okay. Clearly. The big fella, DeAndre Aiden, wanted to play well last night. Statistically, you know, he, he normally he does. But the great thing about team sports is that you're part of a team and you got a job to do. And, the only, and if you are on a team sport, unlike an individual sport, you got to play your role regardless of what are you doing individually. Right? I, that's why I love players who can affect the game and don't have to score. Those to me are always the most fascinating players. You know, Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson, you know, you know, even a guy like Draymond Green. Like, they're fascinating because they don't have to score to affect the game. DeAndre Ayton had what game one, he was like twenty and twenty almost, right? Twenty and nineteen. Yeah. Twenty and nineteen. His effect on the game goes beyond just the stats. Every every time he rolls down the middle and Milwaukee has to rotate to it, somebody else is open. There's a prime example. He he is just a fascinating player. Yep. You know, um, and he's fascinating because he can affect the game in so many ways, right? This is why I love the bigs. You know, we've gone small and the only reason we've gone small is because the bigs were the last to kind of catch on to how to play this new style, pace and space. They're the, they're the last, they were the last group. You know, the guards figured it out, then the forwards figured it out. Now the centers are figuring it out. You know, Jokic, MVP. Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. Joel Embiid, DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton. You're seeing the impact of the bigs because they're beginning to figure it out. Brooke, Lo- Brooke Lopez, people have to remember or recall that when he first came to the league, he was a low post scorer. Suddenly now to watch trans- him. Trans- transformed his body and his game. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, the, 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 game, the game itself is – beginning to evolve and the bigs now are beginning to have an impact. And what I loved about what Monty did last night is that he brought him back into the present moment. Okay. Coaching is about one thing. It's not about being X's and O's. It's not about motivating people. No, like, I don't like to say this, but you got to tell it because we have young listeners here. Look, if you need a coach to motivate you, you probably shouldn't be playing. <laughs> Especially at that level. <laughs> okay? If you, it, it, I never walked into the locker rooms going, coach, motivate me. Like, 
What, what, mean, what, what would have happened if one day you walked into Phil's office and said, yeah, Coach, can you motivate just, me? That's, uh, <laughs> as a player. Okay. Yeah. But again, maybe this is just a Detroit thing. You got to take some responsibility when you put that uniform on. Okay. Here's a responsibility I took every time I put the uniform on. Every time I watch the game, the players are responsible for the effort and energy necessary to try to win that game. Take some responsibility to the game. Oh, coach, motivate me. Oh, coach, give me a game plan. Oh, coach, put me in position to shoot and score points. Oh, coach, wait a minute. You have any responsibility? I showed up. That's basically <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. come on now. You got to take some responsibility here. The better teams don't need the coach. The better teams need what Monty did. He reminded DeAndre Ayton, mm -hmm. hey, son, it's not, it's not possible. Believe it or not, the greatest players can't play well every single night. It's okay to want to play well. You can impact it. You have a rare gift to impact the game, and you don't even have to play well. It's only a small minority of people that he could have actually said that. What's great about it is everyone's ego thinks <laughs> that they could do what DeAndre Ayton. No, Eric, you and I, we don't have that type of talent. You no, know what Monty sure, would have had to do with guys like you and I? He would have had to take us out and say, hey, it just wasn't your night. <laughs> <laughs> You understand, so, Eric? So, so, Eric. Let, so, let, so let me ask you something. You know, thinking back on, on your career, and obviously you sat in such a unique position as a very capable player who played a specific role on uh, championship teams. So what, what, what's a moment that comes rushing back to you where you needed a reminder uh, about your abilities or talents or why your role was so important on the floor and how was that communicated to you in the heat of the moment? Well, I, it, it was communicated to me when I got to the NBA. I didn't have the luxury of getting 10 to 15 shots every night. Right. Some nights I might have got two shots. Some nights I got four shots. Some nights I got six shots. <laughs> and yep. it's different when you get see Michael and Scotty and these star players they could miss their first 10 shots but then they can also make their next 10 shots and then they had a great game they were 10 for 20 from the field 8 rebounds 8 assists da 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 okay if BJ misses 4 or 5 shots in a row you like get him out of here I didn't have that luxury. Okay. It's a true story. We're in a heated game, playing one night. Michael's incredible. He, he's incredible. Scotty's doing his triple-double thing. Game's close. I'm four for four from the field. I got like, I don't know, eight, ten points, something like that. It's like about five or six minutes left in the fourth. One of those guys passed me the ball, and I missed the shot. At the timeout, Phil just chews me out. Just chews me. I mean, all over me. And he comes out, and he says, with some choice words, 
can you make a shot tonight? <laughs> and that and was my re- and, and, and that was and my response. <laughs> that was my response right there. <laughs> so, so that was my coach, response. Somebody give somebody give somebody give coach the box score, please. That was my response right there. That was my response. Because I understood that I had a different responsibility than all the other guys. When he, when they passed me the ball, I had to make the shot. I had, I, at the very least, I had to shoot 50%. Because I, was, I may only got two shots. I had to make one or both. I may only got three shots. But when they did pass me the ball, he expected me to make every shot. And that was his response. And here's a guy that took 35 shots. Here's another guy who took 20-something shots. And but you've got some nerve going four for four and then being four for five, shooting 80%. That's you understand. But that's your job. Yeah. That, that, that's my job. So when you understand what's expected of you, like what Monty did, I expect you to do this, BJ, because we need you to do this to win the game. Everybody on the team, this is why, every, this is why everybody can't play professional sports. Everybody is not equal on the team. It's impossible to treat everybody equally, but so, you can treat everybody fairly. But he reminded DeAndre Ayton, we came here to win the game. We can't win the game unless you do X, Y, and Z. It may not get the headlines. No one, I haven't recounted that story in 30-something years. Hmm. But that's how, that's how life is. And the fact that he, he, why he didn't talk to Chris Paul? They were getting all the shots. He went to the guy that was going to help him win the game. And what he was saying to BJ was, BJ, Michael may have to pass you that ball again. Scotty may have to pass you that ball again. I need you to make that shot. And it may only be one shot, but I need you to make the shot. I don't need you to take the shot. See, this is a difference. I didn't go to the gym to work out. I went to the gym because I had to get to the spots where I knew I could make the shots because every shot I shot had to have an opportunity to go in the basket. That's the difference. This is why I love the playoffs because you don't see as many bad shots in the playoffs as you see during the regular season. Nope. So I love the fact that Monty Williams reminded DeAndre Ayton this is why we play. See, the only reason that he looked up when he said look up is because he knows that Monty Williams didn't have a hidden agenda. I need you to win the game. Think about this. Pulling on the same rope. DeAndre Ayton is 22 years of age. He's playing in a game and doing all of the dirty work, and they don't give him one play. They don't give him one touch. The fact that Monty Williams values him so much to let him know, I need you, big fella. Do you know what that means to that young man's confidence? Everything. He he didn't go to Jay Crowder. He didn't go to Mikhail Bridges, who was playing spectacular. He didn't go to Chris Paul. He didn't go to uh, uh, Devin 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 Booker. Booker. He went to the big fella and said, now, big fella, I need you right now to will us to this win. Think about that. 
Think about, he could have gone anywhere. He didn't talk about the offensive plays. Oh, this guy's a brilliant. He's a, he's a basketball mind. You know all of these nonsense things that people, oh, he's got a great basketball mind. Brilliant play out of a timeout. You know all of this, this BS. Great he went ATL. to the big fella. He said, big fella, big fella, I need you to put your impact and put your imprint on this guy. I need What he was basically saying, let me put it in terms of everybody, I need you to get every rebound. <laughs> I need you to meet anybody drive to the basket. I need you to meet them. Own, own the paint, own the glass right now. I need you to anchor everything we doing to bring us home. Let me get on the aircraft carrier. He didn't go talk to Chris Paul like that. He didn't go talk. He went right to the source. Now, big fella, I know you ain't played. You didn't have 20 rebounds tonight. Big fella. And the big fella responded beautifully. Big fella sure did. He sure did. Um... I don't prompt you a lot for predictions, but um, is this series tied at two going back to Phoenix? Is this 3-1? Is this thing over before we know it? What's your sense on where we're headed here? I'm, I'm not just hoping for a long I, I, series. I, think, I was, I I was Phoenix, anticipating a long series with Phoenix I think winning. Phoenix, I, I, I picked Phoenix at the beginning of the series to win Same. in six. I picked him in seven. Okay. I think Phoenix has been and will continue to be a good road team. Yep. And I think they are poised to get one game on the road. Now, if Milwaukee, Milwaukee in game three against Brooklyn, in game three against Brooklyn, they should have lost that game. Game three at at home. at, At home versus... Brooklyn. Brooklyn series tied one one. No, the series was tied oh two. They were down oh two. They were down. 0-2. Oh, that's right. They were down oh two. Yep. Yep. Now, I don't think Phoenix is going to let them off the hook. Now, I think that Milwaukee will be better. I think their home crowd will be better. I think their role players will probably play a little better. Mm-hmm. But I think Phoenix showed me in game two everything I needed to see. They can withstand Milwaukee's best punch. They can withstand that punch. You think, you think that was their best punch? Absolutely. They played with a sense of desperation but, right from the get but, from the. Well, there's, yeah. the, there's how hard they played, but it's also, you know. Well, the only thing they I can do is... I can't ignore Middleton and Holiday going combined 12 for 37 from the floor and saying that's their best punch. I get well, it that I get it that a lot of those shots were good looks that didn't go down. When um, when you have to depend on offensive output to win a game, you probably don't deserve to win the game. Fair. Okay. Winning, as we say, covers a multitude of sins. If you don't play defense well, if you don't run your ex, if you don't run your offense well and you don't play well on the defensive end, but if you shoot well, you probably got a good chance, especially in today's game if you shoot it well from 3. Mhm. Exceptional teams can win even when they don't play well or when they don't shoot well. Now, all right, Milwaukee. Milwaukee has one problem. They can't stop Phoenix. So doesn't matter how well they shoot, shoot they can't it, stop, Phoenix. stop Phoenix. Well, okay. but if they do shoot well and can set their defense, is, that can help in it, stopping Phoenix. That could, that, that could help. Now, but, we, but we, what we know, Eric, but don't tell anyone – 
is that you can't always shoot well. <laughs> even you, Eric. Even you. Yeah. I, you're the yeah. you're the greatest my shooter. Jump, my jumper is so broken. I, I I was yelling at the sky working out on the court yesterday, but that's yeah, I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I digress. We all have our moments. We'll yeah, have you have moments. your moments. So, you know, that, that's what's... Yeah. So and listen, Milwaukee's, sh- going, Milwaukee's going home. Role players generally play better at home, especially in the postseason. Teams generally shoot better in their own building. So we will see how that plays out. And, and I'll say this. They generally play well. But after two games, we know that they can't match up with the role players or the players that Monty has on his bench. See, this... so. Mm-hmm. Normally they play well. Okay, my role players match up and they just didn't shoot well. That's one thing. They can't match up with the other team. Yeah. They're forcing Giannis to have to play five now. Yeah, and the Bobby Portis edge that uh, presented itself in the conference finals with his abilities are now are now null and void at the moment. Yep. Good points. Good points. Well, we will see. Sunday night, game three. Suns, Bucks. Um, you know, one of the things that irks me is, uh, and this is, you know, my own doing, right? I, I uh, allow myself to look at certain things on Twitter. I just can't stand the quote-unquote fans that, uh, you know, there's the, 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 the big markets, the some of the elite of the elites, obviously not in the finals. Oh, this final stinks. Oh, who cares? And it's just such an unfortunate thing. Uh, but in all walks of life, or whether it's sports, entertainment, news, politics, whatever, you've just got a certain amount of noise and, and haters across the board. So um, I have such an appreciation for what the NBA Finals means, regardless of who is in it. And some years are obviously better than others, some years more exciting than others, but there's just so much nostalgia uh, and tradition around the Finals. And I want to take this opportunity you know, we often, you know, we go back to the 90s. We talk about things from the 80s. But, you know, we're two decades into, you know, this, uh, the, the 2000s in this new century. And, you know, some of the things that used to feel like recent history aren't so recent anymore. So, you know, let's go back to before the Warriors dynasty was put together. Um what are some great finals moments? And obviously you've worn several hats career-wise since the beginning of the uh, century, first working for the Bulls, and now, of course, uh, on the representation side and you doing so much more content uh, the last several years. What resonates as far as great finals moments um, from, let's say, 2000 to 2014 before LeBron returns to Cleveland. What, what are what are some things that really stand out for you that play into uh, this dynamic narrative, which is the NBA Finals? Starting after the 2000, yeah, Starting. 2000. So Shaq, Kobe, uh, Shaq, Kobe, yeah, repeat starts through LeBron leaving Miami. Well, one so of the things lot, that really a lot, stands a lot in. happens in that window, obviously. One of the things that have really stood out to me recently with the finals is the greatness of Tim Duncan. Mm. Tim Duncan, you know, and and I get it, right? You know, I I get pop culture and I get narratives and I get, you know, know, people are saying, because, you know, this is sales or you're targeting a market audience, but 
truly here we're, we're going to keep it we're going to keep it 100 here the brilliance of tim duncan to me is just like it's more and more obvious like god this guy he at one point in his career he was the number one option he wins a championship then he slid over he was the number two option he wins a championship he's the number three option he's the number four option he was the fifth option and he wins a championship he did it what for what around 19 20 years somewhere around there 97 draft through 2016 okay. 19 years. years and it's just becoming more and more obvious to me you know they call it the San Antonio way and, I, and that made me laugh then and it makes me laugh now no it's the Tim Duncan way but all of a sudden now what, Stuck, what Greg Popovich well now what Greg Popovich can't coach they can't get to the playoffs now like you know what I mean like now, no, and that's not what, what you're saying. But no, what they, I'm not, what they I, built what they built together, starting no, what, with what, what what he has done. No, it's not built. What he did. What okay. he did. Okay, you know, everyone start start talking about you know how to build a team. No, it always starts the same way. Draft Where's a great, great player. Where's that? <laughs> like you know, everyone wants to take credit in all of these. Analytics and all, they, they, they want to tell me after the fact. No, tell me before it happens, and then we can talk. Tell me who's going to be the greatest before it happens, then I'll believe it. Watching Tim Duncan over that, from that period, because he was great in the 90s, the early 2000s, and he beat all of the great players. He beat them all. He beat every great player and great tandem in his era. He beat the big three. He beat Shaq and Kobe. He beat Dirk Nowinski. He beat Steve Nash. He beat he beat them all. Wherever the great players were at, he beat them. And he beat them in a small market. This wasn't like people were saying, it's not like today where you say, well, you know, this large market team is, this is free. This is San Antonio. And he beat these guys with like late first round picks, second round picks. Well, what's so impressive is the, the, the rotating door and not a rotating door in a bad way, but because of how long he played, how the cast around him changed, shifted, evolved, and yet... It, he, he, it, he, it, it, it just kept going. It, it, so that it, obviously it, it, starts with him. And yes. And I love the fact that he started out without question. Without question, he, he was the best. By the end, he was a shell of himself, but the team was still playing for championships. Wow. That to me is like a wow moment. Like, do you know how hard it is to go from the number one option to the fifth option but you're, you still have an impact on the game. Yeah. Like how many think, how many players yeah. do how many players have you actually seen do that? And win in both in both situations. I mean, how many? Bill, Rus- Bill Russell. Right by the end of his career, he's he's clearly the 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 last option offensively as player okay. coach, but he's okay. anchoring anchoring the defense. That's one. Uh, I mean, Jerry West was still. 
Jerry West when they won the championship in 72 at the end of his career, so I really can't say it's him. Uh, Kareem became, what, the third, fourth option by the end, right? Okay. I mean, but but Kareem. Look at the names. Know, Kareem, but exactly, the all-time greats. Look at the, the names you're greats. throwing out. I mean, yeah. well, you you asked, so I'm yeah, trying to I'm trying to, to me, accommodate. That yeah. to me just shows his true brilliance and how phenomenal of a player he was. And you know, I was like, wow, this guy was really, really. He was really. When I first saw him, I was like, oh wow. Like, everyone's talking about this guy's the greatest. No, it was clear to me. The very I remember his rookie year, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, oh, wow. The very first time I saw him. And to watch him play and, and, and have the level of excellence, I can't imagine, and I know you like to look up stats, I can't imagine another player over an 18, 19-year stretch won more games than he did. Over his career. I mean, that guy, what? I don't think he... Think about this. I don't think he... I don't think he lost. I don't think he... I think he won over 50 games his entire career. I will tell you right now, their win totals every year of his career. Starting in 97-98, the San Antonio Spurs won 56 games. The next year was the lockout year, his second year where they won the title. They won 37-13. and 13. So that counts because of the percentage, the winning right. percentage. 2000-53, 2001-58, 2002-58, second championship, 60, 2004-57, 2005, third championship, 59. 2006, 63 wins. Got knocked out by Dirk in a great seven-game series in the second round. 2007, fourth championship against LeBron and the Cavs, 58 wins. 2008, 56. 2009, 54. 2010, 50. 11, 61. 12, 50. 13, 58 wins. 2013 is when they lose the finals to Miami. Most people don't remember. Tim Duncan had a huge NBA finals oh, series in 2013. Uh, 2014, where they beat Miami in uh, five games. They come back on a mission. They go 62 and 20. 2015, 55 wins. 2016, they lose in the conference semifinals. They had 67 and I believe that was his final season, cross-referencing that right now. Yes, so in his final season, they won 67 wins. Okay. 67 games. And and, and look, you know, watching all of these players, he's the best. He's the best. Yeah. Like, okay, you can... Was it the flashiest? No. Was he the greatest shooter? No. Was he the most entertaining player? No. He was the best player, though. Just the best. Just being he the was, best. He was the best player. He was, he was the best player 
in that era. Like, you just he was the best player. And you it's can put an, it's, such a, it's, a, it's such an interesting conversation because of the he, LeBron overlap, Kobe Bryant, He beat them all. He beat them all. He beat them all. He beat them all. He beat them all in their prime. He, you can't say, well, he didn't play again. He beat them all in their prime. Every single one of them. The best players from the 2000 on, he beat in their prime. Facts. Just thinking back to the 03, did he knock out Shaq and Kobe in their prime? He, 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 beat, he beat them all. He beat all those players. Yeah, they beat the Lakers in six in the second round. This is what I'm saying. Like to stop the every Lakers every th- uh, four peat. Every, every single time I, I I just look and you ask the question, I go, yeah, like okay, yeah, well, you know, did I turn on the television to say I wanted to see as exciting as some of the other players? No, he wasn't that, but he was the best. Oh, well, for me at, though, look at those stats you just yeah. wrote up. This guy has right. never. This guy won 50 games in his Every career. Year. Every, Every year. year. A, da- a down year was 50 wins. A down this year. This is unbelievable to me. Like, yep. unbelievable to me. And he did it. They played big. They played small. They played fast. They played slow. Well, they, they literally played, had they, three different iterations of that team, right? So I mean, it's, it's it, the early years with Robinson getting older. Then it's passing the torch. And then the rise of Tony Parker and Ginobili. And then how they filled in those role guys then. And then, of course, Ginobili and Parker continued to get better. And then it's making one of, listen, hats off to George Hill being a, a really good NBA role player. But uh, having the foresight to trade George Hill for Kawhi Leonard was unbelievable. And then bringing in Kawhi. So, yeah. This guy, Tim Duncan, every single time, everybody talks about building a championship team. No, it already starts the same way. You need this great player. Well, Tim Duncan was perhaps the greatest of them all. Because what he was able to do, if you put him up, everyone's talked about who's who and what's what. Okay. Tim Duncan is the only player that I can say this about. I don't care what era you dropped him off in, he would have been Tim Duncan. There's an elite list, and he's... he's I don't care what error you put. He would have been Tim Duncan. Now, I could say something about some players. You say he would have been a great player in in an era. Okay? Like, if you put Shaq in this small era, do I think he would have been the Shaq that we saw? No. He would have been a different version of Shaq in this era because of the three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan would have been Tim Duncan in this era. Yep. He would have been Tim Duncan in the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, the 60s. He would have been Tim Duncan because he could have played against Bill Russell. See, he could have played against Bill Russell. He could have played against Will Chamberlain. He could have played against Kareem. Yep. He could have played against George Mikan. He could have played against well, Moses he, Malone. Uh, him, him, he, in this, him in the 70s would be. Be, he could have played against oh, yeah. uh, Robert Parrish, Unseld, Thurman, uh, Walton, everybody. El- Elvin Hayes, mm-hmm. Charles Barkley, Carl Malone. 
He would have been Tim Duncan. Your man, artist Gilmore. Gilmore. He would have been. He would have been Tim Duncan. He wouldn't have had to change one part of his game. Great he, point. He could always shoot. He could he could shoot threes if you wanted him to shoot them. He had a low post game. He could play screen roll. He could play dribble weave. He could play up and pinch, down. Pinch he post, could play high pinch post, yep. high post, pass the ball. He could have been the second option. He could have played with Larry Bird. He could have played with Magic Johnson. He could have played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He could have played with Akeem Olaf. He could have played with or against any player and been Tim Duncan. How many players you can actually say that about and not have to change nothing? You don't have to change anything about his game. And when I think about him, I go, God, Lee, man, he was, man, he was, man, he was, he was. Now, some of the players, I mean, you know, Shaq is just an example. Shaq would have been, he would have been some different version of whatever a great player would be in this era. But he would have been a different version in this era than he was when he played because of the rules. You, these guys w- would still be shooting threes. He would have had to do something to adjust his game. Tim Duncan. Like, you're watching De- – think about this. DeAndre, we watched DeAndre Aiden the other night get like, like 20 and 19. What would Tim Duncan do in this era? <laughs> I mean, think about that. What he what would he do I mean, in this era? Consistent thirty four and eighteen. Like I don't know if he'd average it, but that that would be DeAndre like, Ayton got twenty yeah. points and nineteen rebounds, and he all, doesn't have one all, all in the flow of the game. No game. post ups. No, no post ups. No sets. Yep. I said I said this about DeAndre Ayton. If DeAndre Ayton had one post move, and just got two buckets a half, that's eight points. So just by him getting one post move. He could get two buckets. All, all, all he needs is, is jump hook either shoulder and then counters to each, and he's good. So by him just getting one post move, that gets him to 28 and 20. Imagine if he had two post moves. Yep. Tim Duncan had every move you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I, I played against Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was incredible. Don't get me wrong. It was incredible. I mean, guy, I mean... He was a little older when I saw him, but he was you could you could say, oh wow. He could still get you twenty uh, uh, snap of the finger. But but Tim Duncan, he was bigger. Yeah, slightly bigger. I mean I I prime you know, the the three greatest post players that I saw in no particular order are Mikhail pre injury. Elijah Wan. Well, there's four then. Duncan and Shaq. Those, those oh, are the four. Oh, yeah, you, you can't have a you can't have a list without Kareem on there. You can't. I can't. I'm allow sorry. You I'm no. I'm sorry. No. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I let me let me, you, you, let me take you, it back. Yeah. The guys I saw in in their primes are close to their primes. So Kareem's prime is before. Kareem uh, is Wilt. Before Let's that. just put him in but, a separate yeah, list. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Kareem and Wilt well, and and Walton pre-injury and. Whoever else makes that list, yes. But in terms of this, guys, are just in the, just in the yeah. low post, just in the in low, low post. post. Yeah, I mean, I, and Mikhail to me is. 
Mikael people was ne- pe- like, people need yeah. to be reminded how great he was. Mikael was uh, Mikael had an incredible ability. I mean, he can't take away anything. Kevin Mikael had he had moves. He just had moves. I don't I don't even think he knew what his move was. He just he had a counter to everything you did. I mean, he could just I mean he was he was he was he was terrific. Um, Akeem Olajuwon. Having to defend against Akeem Olajuwon was for the first time that I saw, where you had a guy that was playing from so many spots on the floor. Like, normally you would fight to get the ball in the low post. Akeem Olajuwon was allowing you to push him places where he wanted to get to because it forced you to make a decision. Like, he was like the first big that would allow you to push him to the mid post just so you didn't know if you were supposed to double him or not. (laughs) Yeah. And he would use your force against you. Like, he was one of the first players where the coaches would say, let him catch the ball on the post so we can, like... You keep him there. (laughs) Yeah, because if you start letting him face you up and do all of those things, you didn't know what to do. Like, because he had... I mean, this guy was crossing over, faking, and he was so quick, right? he, He could spin off of you. So he... I don't call him a low post. He was just, I don't know what he was. Literally, Akeem Olajuwon was like, He was everything. He was everything. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, just envisioning that 95 run where he, um, you know, no disrespect to David Robinson, but he owns David Robinson in that series and then owns Shaquille O'Neal in the finals. Check David Robinson's stats in that series as well. He had really he had good stats in that series. Take, but, check his stats. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about he was owning. Now, check David Robinson's stats. David Robinson was the MVP that year. He was, and I think that's what fire... I mean, as, as one of the stories go... I don't know if you've ever yeah, saw this. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen all, the, the I've seen all these the stories. Interview with, the interview with Mario Eli where Robinson's getting the trophy and... Uh, Elijah Wan feels that was still his. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Robinson's yeah, well, stats in that series were good. What Elijah Wan did what, what, in that what was series. It, what, was it, what was David Robinson's stats? In that series? Hold on. Series stats. Robinson for the series. Uh, twenty Almost 24 points a game, 11 rebounds. And two blocks. Come on. And shot for Robinson a low percentage, just under 45% from the floor. Elijah won that series. 35 points, 12 and a half rebounds, five assists, four blocks, shot 56% from the floor and 80 at the line. Just, I mean, a, a different Three, level like, of, uh, of, of greatness. Well, you know, listen. My point I was trying to make, though, thinking back to that series and then against Shaq in the finals, Elijah Warren would get that ball 17 feet out, left side, and face those guys up <laughs> and, and put it on the floor to get the defender moving one way. And then we both know how incredible he was changing direction for a big and being able to turn his back to the basket, lose sight of the, the rim, and spin and do whatever he want. He was, well, he well, was, again, he was so special. As crazy as this sounds, we all knew he was doing it. When he didn't want to play against a double team, he would catch the ball out on the perimeter. Just so you wouldn't double him. 
Right. But how many bigs did you know that could actually put it on the floor like him? None. That's what I'm saying. Like you had to say, let this guy don't don't fight him to get it off the post. Let him get it on the post right. so we can keep the game, keep him contained. And he was like, nah, Akeem was like, nah. I'll just step out here. I don't want to play against a double team tonight. And then he'd roam up to that elbow too, and and you can't I mean, once she, team once she, and once she saw the the basket clean from that elbow, I mean, that, I, I don't. I would love to see his shot chart and percentages, but Elijah one from uh, the elbow right outside the elbow. I mean, that was that was pretty much guaranteed money right there. So uh, the greatness of Tim Duncan in the two thousands. Obviously, the, the, we think about the finals, but you, you hit it on the head with, excuse me, his just overall greatness and dominance, 50 wins every year, and then talking about some of these other bigs and, and post guys, always, uh, always refreshing. But uh, as usual, snap of a finger, and uh, we've been talking hoops for an hour. So Yes, we are. Well, Great show today, you. my friend. Anything else on your radar right now? Uh, uh, player, 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 uh, player movement. Anything you're hearing uh, on the Armstrong lines over there? Yeah, got it. It's early. It's early right it's early. now. Early in the process. Early. It's early July. Let's check in about a week or two. We'll, we'll have some stuff for you. For sure. For sure. Great job today, my friend. Special thanks to the Pure Hoops Media team, as always. Special thanks to the one and only Bruce Bernstein. And the rest of the Pure Hoops Media family, check out the Mike Wise Show dropping each and every Monday. Catch and Shoot 2.0, Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong Wednesdays. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with King McClure and superstar Monica McNutt each Thursday. Pure Hoops Podcast, BJ Armstrong, Eric Newman each and every Friday or depending on the final schedule coming out over the weekend as we've got to play the game schedule with the show stay healthy stay safe if you're in new york stay dry and uh, stay pure have a great weekend enjoy game three on sunday peace the pure hoops podcast is a presentation of pure hoops media 